Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Health Media Now with award-winning author and host Denise Messenger for a lifetime of health empowerment. Live by being in the pink, meaning P stands for being persistent. I stands for using your intuition. N stands for networking. And K stands for obtaining knowledge. Preserve and protect your health by listening live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time and 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Our guests entertain and share cutting-edge information. They share with you what may have taken years to achieve through experience in their field. Become inspired and motivated. Reach your full potential with fascinating tips and products. Receive a lifetime of benefits from authors, doctors, practitioners, healthcare providers, and learn about exciting new products. You asked for it, and we deliver. Now, here's your host, Denise Messenger. Hello, listeners. Today is June 25th, 2014. We have a great show today. My special guest is Vincent Phil and Jerry. He's a licensed psychologist, and he's also the author of the book called Fat Control, The Net Equation. And we're going to find out what the net equation stands for in in a few minutes. I also want to let all listeners know that this live interview will go into podcast and it will be available on iTunes if you don't have the opportunity to stay with us because it is close to a 50-minute interview. So now I would like to bring on to the show Vincent. Hello, Vincent, and thank you so much for joining us today. Hello, Denise, and I want to thank you for having me on your show. Great. Why don't you tell the audience how you got on the path that you're on today? Well, I've always been involved in, in health over the uh, over many years. And what I have found uh, that is that many of the programs that uh, people go on, these diet programs as they're called, tend to be short-term fixes for a very serious uh, chronic problem. So in my practice and in my research, I, I found that all of these diet plans that exist that talk about weight loss, they tend to be successful only short-term. But if you really want long-term results uh, and have a, and be in a state of wellness, then one has to have a different uh, paradigm, a different way of looking at this whole issue of, of weight loss, as, as it's called. So I felt the need to use my knowledge and my research in writing a book that will address this problem once and for all and lead people to have healthy um, lives. Uh, Wellness is the general umbrella and weight loss, or more specifically fat loss, is part of that umbrella that we talk when we talk about wellness. So I felt the need to present the book that outlines very specifically the factors involved for helping an individual achieve their goals in a safe and permanent way. So that is why I've I written the book, 
I feel strongly about it because we're in a situation where obesity is a very serious chronic problem, not only for adults, but for our uh, youngsters, adolescents, as, as they become adults. It's true. Uh, children just aren't getting the exercise that they used to get because of all the technology that we have available now that, unfortunately, a lot of it requires sitting, the sitting position. <laughs> That's exactly right. So, and, when you, and when you add in the uh, additional uh, um, uh, factors, uh, increased sugar, increased sodium, more processed foods, and less physical exercise, well, that's a recipe for obesity and all of the concomitant illnesses that go with that, mm-hmm. which is diabetes, high blood pressure, and, and, and cancer as well. So mm-hmm. it's a very serious problem, and I think there are some steps that are being made uh, at the highest level uh, of government mm-hmm. to address this issue, and, uh, and I applaud that happening, but there's a lot more that needs to be done. Sure. Why don't you explain to us what the net equation is? Well, I feel that when you're dealing with an issue of obesity, uh, weight loss, more specifically fat loss, one needs to have a comprehensive approach in dealing with this issue. one, One facet approach doesn't seem to be uh, acceptable, at least in my opinion, but you need a multi-dimensional approach to address uh, different facets of it. The net equation specifically addresses three factors that I feel are equally important to deal with this issue. The first factor, N, stands for nutrition. Uh, Having knowledge of nutrition is critically important in this formula to lose fat and maintain that loss. And what I do in the book is explain to readers what the various vitamins, minerals uh, are, uh, with their source, the sources of them, as well as their particular functions. So vitamins and minerals are explained in detail, and their source, uh, their food, the food sources are explained so that they can have them on a, on a regular basis. In addition, I talk about uh, different food lists that I uh, highly recommend as being part of a healthy uh, program of food intake. And uh, I also include uh, some suggestions as far as desserts, side dishes, and snacks that people may want to have uh, as, as part of this particular plan. I also discuss in the nutrition factor uh, what proteins are, carbs and fats, and how they're important, and how they could be beneficial in weight loss, and how they may not be beneficial in weight loss, as well as cholesterol, sugar, sodium, and water intake. So all of these uh, topics that I've just mentioned are part of the first major factor in this equation that I've drawn up to help individuals Mm. lose um, fat. But there are two other factors that must be also mm-hmm. also stressed that are equally important. The other is exercise, which I talk about various types of exercise that individual can be mm-hmm. involved with that are, must take place, and how certain things that people do 
made that they don't consider as exercise is is an exercise um, type of thing that can help in one's uh, metabolic um, expenditure. And also, what would be an example? Well, when we talk about exercise, many people are under the impression that aerobic and anaerobic exercises are solely the types of exercises that one can be involved with. But that's not the case. Uh, There's a great deal of research, a good body of research, that talks about even if if we're not involved in organized sports activities, we can lose body fat and increase our basal metabolic rate by simply doing things that are daily daily activity daily uh, activity uh, uh, daily life activities it has a fancy name it's called non-exercise because it's really not exercise it's called non-exercise activity thermogenesis and what that simply means is that when we do things that are part of our day-to-day life activities except for eating sleeping and sports activities we are in fact burning up calories and we are, in fact, increasing our basal metabolic rate. What research has found is that when you compare an obese person with a non-obese person, the obese person, the inactive person, burns 330 to 700 calories less per day than the the, uh, non-obese person. So the question is, what can we do to increase our NEAT factor. Well, people may not be aware of it, but for an average person, let's say uh, weighs 150 pounds, if one were to get involved in just daily activities of 30 minutes, such as raking leaves, well, they can lose 147 calories just by doing that alone. Mowing a lawn can lose anywhere from 162 to 200 calories. Shoveling snow, well, 203 calories. Washing a car, 153 calories. So there are many things that an individual that may not consider it exercise could Mm -hmm. help increase that deficit and reduce the amount of calories that one may have consumed on any given day. Also, I present suggestions that, well, instead of having to take an elevator, Mm-hmm. To go to a certain floor, one can walk up uh, the stairs. The stairs. <laughs> one can park sure. their car at a distance from where they want to go in a mm-hmm. lot, as opposed to parking mm-hmm. right next to the store. Right. Transportation. Uh, transportation. Mm-hmm. So, and standing, standing, just standing. If one were to uh, be on the telephone and stand and speak to someone for, let's say, 30 minutes, a 150-pound person, they can lose 100 calories. Just oh, that's that. interesting. Yeah. Hmm. Laughing increases uh, calorie, uh, caloric expenditure. Brushing one's teeth for two minutes, can, you can uh, expend six calories. So there are many things that I present that one may not be uh, thought of, that, in fact, can help in that deficit that we want uh, of caloric uh, expenditure. So that, that's an interesting uh, aspect that many people may not realize. 
But nevertheless, it's something that can be quite helpful to individuals uh, in their uh, total overall plan. So that's the second factor. And the third factor is the thinking factor. Um, we, we We are an interfaceted, integrated being. And we, mm-hmm. our minds and our bodies work together. So the thinking factor is an integral part of the equation because how, what, what we think is what we do. So if our thinking is disturbed, our behavior will be affected accordingly. So I address that issue and I give examples of how our thinking can have a detrimental effect on our weight loss goals or fat loss goals. Huh. Well, that's great. We now know what the net equation is. N for nutrition, E for exercise, and T for thinking. Yes. Very clever. We know that there's a zillion books out there on weight loss. I mean, everywhere you look. Is your book different because of the net equation and how you laid out? That's an excellent question. What I have found over the years is that all of these weight loss uh, for books that are out uh, tend to stress um, either high carbs or low carbs, high protein, low protein, high fat or low fat. And every one of them tends to be successful only for the short term. Because the body has a built-in mechanism to resist that kind of extreme change, the body will fight it in order to preserve some degree of what we call homeostasis or balance. So what may seem to be working in the beginning does not tend to work long term. Mm. What happens is that the individual, when they become less successful in the program that they started because of these extreme approaches, they they tend to regain the uh, the weight they've lost and regain more than that. So it's a yo-yo effect, and each time that they go on different types of programs such as these, it becomes exceedingly more difficult to lose mm. the weight that they want because they're constantly readjusting a, um, in, uh, the, the set point, which is an inborn, uh, inborn uh, aquastat or thermostat to regulate body weight. So what we want to do is we, we would prefer if individuals not be on multiple programs in the past, but we know people do try different things. But if they are on these extreme programs, they are gearing themselves toward long-term failure because they just don't work. And my program does Well, metabolism has a lot to do with it. Absolutely. Uh, Metabolism is an integral part of that. And uh, one of the first things that uh, I recommend uh, individuals that I've worked with in the past is they go for a complete physical, and their thyroid gland needs to be examined to see if it's um, functioning properly. So mm-hmm. various blood tests are done. And after that, uh, a more tailored type program or a more specific program for their individual needs could be uh, addressed. However, the main point here is that when you're dealing with these extreme weight loss plans that exist, you're defeating the very purpose that the body was designed for, and the body will fight fight that change and will win. My particular program does not address an extreme um, type of approach. 
my plan and my equation is one of balance and moderation. And when you have that kind of formulation in one's um, food intake, you increase exceedingly the short-term and the long-term results, to stay that way. Again, How do you obtain the balance? Well, you need knowledge. You need to know, you have to have knowledge of what is healthy and what's not. And you need to incorporate certain habits in one's lifestyle. These are lifestyle choices that we're talking about. One needs to substitute unhealthy lifestyle choices for healthy ones and incorporate that in uh, one's daily activities. And what I uh, and what I have done in my book is talk about behavior modification and how behavior modification can be helpful to achieving these type of goals. Record keeping is a very important part of that, uh, as well as the thinking factor that I mentioned uh, before. So I provide very detailed examples of how one's thinking affects one's behavior, as well as numerous charts of how one could monitor their progress through various their nutrition, their exercise, and their thinking. And this kind of monitoring is very important in order to uh, sustain this uh, loss and to keep it as part of one's uh, healthy habits. So it takes some effort, but it Mm -hmm. can be achieved. And the end goal is a state of wellness. And it seems that when you are in a state of wellness, well, then your weight, your healthy weight, will be part of that. Hmm. Listeners, we're talking today with Vincent Filangieri. He's the author of the book Fat Control, The Net Equation. What is the difference between, say, weight loss and fat loss? Well, when you talk about weight loss, you're talking about a global, a global factor. You know, weight in of itself consists of numerous things. Um, it, it includes um, muscle, fat, and water. Um, so when one talks about weight loss, um, to me, that is not as meaningful as when you talk about fat loss, because what we want to do is not necessarily um, lose muscle weight. What we want to lose is uh, fat weight, because it's the fat weight that causes the extreme problems that we have with regards to cardiovascular disease, type 2 diabetes, um, and, and cancer, and a host of other health issues. So when I talk about loss, my emphasis is not on weight, but on fat. So it's fat loss that we want to address, uh, and not muscle loss. Muscle, muscle, as a matter of fact, we want to actually increase. We want to increase our muscle weight and reduce our fat weight. And that's done through various types of exercises. Uh, right, and, mm-hmm. and uh, muscle weighs a lot more than fat. That is correct. That is, that's, that's very true. And because it weighs um, more, if one were to be involved in uh, 
the standard called hydrostatic tank weighing. That is a um, that is a, uh, a device that's used in universities to measure the percentage of body fat. And since muscle weighs more than fat, uh, muscle will sink to the bottom of the uh, tank. Uh, actually, in water, obese people weigh less because fat floats. So if one were to want know exactly what their muscle weight is uh, or percent, or their uh, fat weight or percent, hydrostatic uh, tank weighing would be is considered the gold standard to achieve that kind of information. However, one does not need to go to that extent to get a sense of one's um, body fat and the risks involved in one's body fat. So to me, body fat weight is what needs to be uh, lost, um, and muscle weight needs to be gained. Now, I'm not implying here that body fat or fat in general is bad for you. We need fat. Um, body fat is, is, is important. It serves many functions. So we want to have body fat, but we don't want to have too much of it that actually increases our risk. Because if, if we do that, we're increasing our risk for a whole host of illnesses and diseases going forward. So if you can actually see, you know, rolls of fat on you, that's a pretty good indication that that's what needs to go. Well, that's certainly a very good point. Um, and uh, l just looking at one's anatomy uh, would certainly uh, do that. One could do something as simple as the pinch test by simply pinching either your upper arm or your waist with your uh, index finger and thumb and, and then measure the distance. If it's greater than an inch, it would indicate excess uh, fat. Um, and, and what I talk about are various methods um, that can be used to determine this extent of fat because it's the fat that actually poses the greatest risk for stroke and diabetes and coronary artery disease and cancer. So we want to be able to know very specifically or at least get a sense of what that fat is because if anything is going to do harm to us, will be the fat. And more specifically, um, it is, more, it is not only the percentage of body fat that could be detrimental, but where it's located. Uh, what we have True, found, and, and, and fat also stores a lot of toxins. Yes, that's right. So at that point, you, you want to be able to reduce any excessive amount of fat, and you want to have a healthy liver because you want to be involved in detoxification, and the liver is the one of the main uh, organs to allow that to happen. So we need to be able to reduce our toxic load. And one of the ways you can do that is, is through healthy uh, living, um, but also reducing fat stores and having a healthy liver, which is our purification system that helps do that, along with kidneys and other, thing, other organs that act as filters for us. But... Regarding the body fat um, that we just talked about, I would like our listeners uh, to understand that 
where the fat is located on one's body poses the greatest risk for these kinds of illnesses, even if one's body weight is normal. One of the things that I use and I talk about in the book is something known as the waist-hip ratio. And what that is, is the measurement of one's waist versus one's hip. And to the extent, male or female, to the extent that that one's waist is greater than one's hip, that's when the risk of these illnesses um, develop. Um, for example, um, if we have a, a man uh, and his ratio is uh, less than 0.95, that's considered uh, ideal. But when you're dealing with over 1.0 in that ratio, he's now in a high-risk uh, category. As far as a female is concerned, 0.80 would be considered ideal, and over 0.85, high risk. So we want to be able to know where the fat is located, and also helpful is how much of it that we're dealing with. So the location of the body fat, especially in abdomen, because we're dealing with visceral fat, is very, very critical and needs to be dealt with uh, all the time. All the time. It, it is that significant an issue. So I talk about that and I address it um, throughout the book because we want to be able to not fix ourselves up with a number. Uh, just, just one number is not uh, something that I believe is, is, is realistic. When we're talking about, if we are going to talk about body weight, we want to be able to talk about a range of weight. Uh, a range of weight is more realistic than just one weight. And there are many factors that go into what is an, you know, an ideal weight. Now, if we were to talk about total body weight, which I know many people are comfortable doing, um, what I tend to do is look at a particular table that's known as the 1959 Metropolitan Height and Weight Tables. Now, one might say, what does that table provide? Well, the Metropolitan Life Insurance Company, back in the 40s up to the, almost the present, had, had developed these height and weight tables based on the the people who had the, uh, based on their, their, uh, their frame size and their height, that had the, the longest, had the longest longevity um, and the fewest health problems. So the 1959 table is not the earliest table, which came out in 1943, and it's not the uh, oldest table or the newest table that came out in 2004. The reason I selected the 1959 tables is because what I have found is that all of the other tables going from 1959 up have an increase in weight at all, 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 all heights and all body frames, small, medium, and large. The 1959 table tends to coincide with my practice and my research of being the best weights, realistic, again, a range of weights for any individual. So, Can you give us an example? Absolutely. Let's say, for uh, argument's sake, we have a female that is 5 feet 4 inches. 
if we were to use the 1959 tables and we're looking at an individual that's, let's say, um, medium frame with a wrist size of six to uh, six and a half uh, inches. That's the, uh, that's the wrist size. That individual small frame would, according to this, this table, would have a range of 111 to 120 pounds. The, a medium range would be 116 to 131. And a large frame would be 126 to 143. Again, these are ranges. And again, that's what the emphasis should be, not one number. Now, if an individual, let's say we have a male who's 5'10", um, a small frame would be 138 to 148, medium frame 143 to 158, and a large frame 153 to 173. These tables uh, are in the book. However, if one wanted to use formula to obtain uh, similar information, I provided that for both males and females of how they can calculate that uh, range, uh, which would coincide to the 1959 tables. What's, so, um, what's the difference between a small, medium, and large frame? It's based on um, your wrist size. For example... Oh, oh okay. So the size of the wrist will determine one's oh. bone structure and body okay. and, and bone structure and, and their frame size. Oh, interesting. Uh, a small wrist for a, well, I'll say a, large, a large wrist for a male would be over seven inches, whereas oh. for a female would be six and a half inches. Interesting. Oh, wow. I love learning new things. <laughs> mm. well, every day we should learn new things. So, again, I, I don't want people to fixate themselves on any one number. Range is important. Mm -hmm. But even beyond the weight that I've just mentioned, even the, beyond the ranges, it's the percentage of body fat and where it's located that's cr critical. So, mm -hmm. e even if you're in these ranges, which seem to be have considered you, ideal, it's not enough. Have you found, I don't know if this is true or not, I heard it from a fitness person, the last place you put on weight is the first place you lose it. Um, yes. Well, it, it tends to happen that way. Uh, however, one needs to keep in mind that the abdomen tends to be uh, an area that is the most resistant to, um, we call that visceral fat. Um, and um, it's something that tends to be the hardest to lose, but it's the most dangerous to have. And there are people who believe that there are ways in which they can decrease um, their fat cells. Um, that doesn't seem to be the case. Uh, it's uh, because uh, the fat cells were given through birth. However, we can decrease the fat size, but not, not the number. So there's a lot of misinformation out there that people um, should have, um, and I try to uh, address that in a way that would be meaningful and helpful to them uh, on a day-to-day -day basis. What would you recommend a person do to start on your program? 
outside of obviously purchasing your book, what is the first thing that they they need to consider? Is it, for instance, um, they they need it to to have come to a real commitment about it, well, or what? What I have found is that people need to be committed. Um, they need to be serious. And they need to be ready. Um, and they also need to understand that there appears to be no, at this point in time, any quick fixes. Um, it took time for uh, individuals to put on weight, or more specifically fat, and it's going to take some time uh, to lose it and replace it with, uh, say, muscle. But it's achievable, but they need to be ready, at least make attempts, and what I believe that people need to do, and I provide this information, is that they need to start in small steps and, and work up. It, it, they're not going to accomplish and lose five pounds a week. No, that's unrealistic. So they need to be realistic in what they can achieve and how they're going to achieve it. And one of the ways that they can help themselves do that is by monitoring um, their behavior and their activities, and their thinking. They need to monitor what they take in, they need to monitor what they expend, and they need to monitor how they're thinking and what they're thinking on a day-to-day basis with regards to this uh, very serious health issue. It's it's a lot. (laughs) That's why you have to have the commitment to do it. It it is. However, if we're talking about... um, a lifetime of wellness and reducing the major illnesses that uh, people have. We we need to take a stand and and believe that mm-hmm. it is going to help them 20, 30, 40 years down the road. Um, if you look about, if you look at the leading causes of death in the United States, the first major cause of death. Coronary, coronary artery disease and mm-hmm. cancer. And cancer. Mm-hmm. If you mm-hmm. add up those two major illnesses, that represents over 51% of the causes of death in the United States today. And it's been that way for many years. So these diseases are directly related to having excess fat. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And when you consider that 66 and two-thirds percent of our population in the United States are overweight, and that our young people are only 20% adolescents that are overweight, we have a serious problem that needs to be addressed today because we have seen more than any time in history mm-hmm. greater diabetes, greater high blood pressure, greater asthma, and liver damage among the young. That was not true 40 years ago. So this is a problem that's getting, um, there's been some improvement with it as far as trying to taper off, but it's still relatively high. It needs to come down a lot more from what it was. Um, At one point in 1991, no state, no state in the United States had an obesity rate greater than 20%. None. No state had a rate more than 20%. Today, in 
today, 38 states, 66 and two-thirds percent, have an obesity rate over 25 percent. Mm. That must there. be something. It must say something yeah. to what's going on mm-hmm. with our health and what we're doing to our bodies across mm-hmm. the country. These are not numbers that are pulled out of the air. These are facts. These are part of statistical information that one can verify. So the writing is on the wall, but the good point about it is that one can change the course of this type of illness if they understand and they're committed to one and help themselves. And I provided tools to them to achieve those goals, but they must Mm -hmm. really want to do it. They have to be committed to do it. It's not taking a pill and then the next day having the results that they want. That's not the real world. And until that time, people understand, they must understand that these basic principles that I set forth will be necessary for them to follow to achieve the goals that they would like to achieve. Fast food is epidemic in our society. And your book basically allocates going back to whole foods. Whole food preparation takes takes time and it and it you have to be um organized in in your preparation. How would you recommend our listeners tackle that predicament? Well, you're absolutely correct. Uh, we are in a society that we we have very hectic schedules. Time is of the essence, and th- th- there seems to be no luxury of time. And one of the ways in which we address that, since time is limited, is to go to these establishments, uh, such and fast food establishments, to um, consume something quickly and then uh, do our uh, activities that we want to do. Um, in, a, in a sense, it's serving the purpose of, of cutting time in uh, one's day so that they can do more things and not have to um, um, prepare healthy foods. But it also is, is detrim- uh, detrimental in many other ways. As far as what they can do to... Um, uh, lead a healthy style. There are various kinds of preparations. Um, I give examples in the book of snacks, dinners, lunches, things like that that they can prepare. But they have to have, a, and this is something very easy which they can prepare uh, for themselves um, throughout the day. Um, but, but they need to have a different mindset. Again, if the mindset is that this is the way you're going to get through the day and accomplish your chores by going to a fast food restaurant and gulping down a diet soda or certain uh, you know, burgers or whatever that you might want, um, that that has to change. And people have to realize that, the, that there are other ways that they can substitute what they, want to, uh, what they need in order to achieve that kind of success that I'm talking about. Now, it does require some work as far as uh, setting things up, but once you're in the habit of doing those things, then they become second nature. It, it will be difficult in the beginning, but 
that's okay because what you're doing is you're training your mind and your body to be able to um, to do what what needs to be done, and then that doesn't become uh, a, an effort or, or a problem after all. Time management is very important. You know, being able to fit time in for things that are most important. Um, and health is a very important uh, thing to have. Um, as Virgil said, health is our greatest wealth. <laughs> so, Isn't that true? So basically, we we're, we're, we need to do some behavioral modification as well as change our lifestyle. Absolutely. You see, I'm of the belief that if one got to where they are at an unhealthy state, as a result of consuming unhealthy foods, one also has the potential to be in a healthy state in consuming healthy foods. And that requires, yes, it does require behavior modification. It not only requires behavior modification, it also requires a a, a change in thinking. So thinking and behavior go hand in hand. But once you've developed that pattern, a healthy pattern, then it becomes second nature. It becomes the thing that you want to do. In my work with individuals who were morbidly obese, maybe 200 pounds overweight, and those who maybe have been 50 pounds overweight, over the course of time, what I found is that those individuals who tended to gravitate to unhealthy foods and now tended to gravitate to healthy foods, didn't think about the unhealthy foods that they were not having anymore and tended to actually feel almost like a withdrawal effect if they didn't have the healthy foods that they now are having. And they completely forgot. There may have been some temptations and um, situations where unhealthy foods were there, but because they had in their presence the arsenal of tools to use to counteract that kind of thinking that may have brought them to the point before, they're able to deal with it in a positive way and not succumb to it. Well, that's great work. It really is. Well, if it becomes one's lifestyle, it mm-hmm. absolutely is great work because I know that going forward, they will significantly reduce their health issues 20, 30, 40 years down the road. Absolutely. Now, we've talked about the net equation. Have we spoken about the net factor yet? Well, the net factor are all of those factors in one working together on a daily basis that the individuals need to have knowledge about and use. So all three need to be worked concomitantly uh, on a daily basis. Nutrition, exercise, and thinking. They they need to all be incorporated into that plan that I've talked about. Uh Uh So what I'm concerned about is that people have the knowledge. They need to have the knowledge. They need to have the motivation. They need to be persistent in what they want to accomplish. And Mm -hmm. the tools that I provide 
provide them with the knowledge, um, the tools to reach their goals. They need to feel that they're in power to achieve what they can. And there is no question in my mind that once individuals have the right knowledge and given the right tools, that they can now make a change in their lives to be where they'd like to be. But again, Mm -hmm. it's going to take effort. They need to show effort. They need to have motivation. But it can be accomplished. Right. On a day-to-day basis. Mm-hmm. They have to have commitment, too. Listeners, we've been talking with Vincent Villangeri. He's the author of the book, Fat Control, The Net Equation. Vincent, is there anything else you want to add to our, our interview today that perhaps we haven't covered? Absolutely. As we talked about, um, our genetics are only a small part uh, of our life. Our environment plays a, a, a critical role uh, with what we do. So even though we're maybe born with a set, of, uh, we are born with uh, genetics that we inherited from our parents, our ancestors, our environment plays a, a very valuable role in achieving what we would want to achieve. Uh, and we do have the, the ability to make that uh, basically, what we do to our bodies today will determine where we will be tomorrow. Um, 85% of all physician visits are the result of psychological and lifestyle issues. So I'm very concerned that, in, that people um, reach the goals that they want. And I know that they can. Um, and through the means that I've discussed, will be successful. Um, one of the things that I want to say is that it took time for, for us, all of us, include myself. We are responsible for how much body fat we accumulate over time. However, our, life, our lifestyle choices today will determine our health tomorrow. As I mentioned to you and your listeners, there are no shortcuts for losing body fat and keeping it off our bodies will always fight change. However, if you use nutrition, exercise, and thinking daily, as I've outlined in the book, which is, one can accomplish these goals. This equation is a very elegant uh, solution to approaches that have been used for years that have mm-hmm. been successful. It's, you speak to many people that have been on, they call it a diet, and People will tell you, yeah, I've lost weight first week, second week, third week. Happens to be mostly water. But long term, they're on another diet. Well, there's a reason for that. Um, Balance and moderation uh, are very, very important uh, in this uh, equation. And I will say that those who don't find time for wellness will eventually have to find time for illness. I believe that individuals can uh, change. If mm-hmm. I didn't believe that that uh, existed, I would have not written this book. Um, thinking is a critical part of this uh, uh, equation because what we think has a tremendous effect 
on, on what we do. Um, and one of the approaches that I use uh, in this book, the main approach I should say, is having people look at their thinking. What you're saying to yourself has a direct bearing on what you do. In other words, if a person feels that they're not going to be successful in what they're doing, well, if they think that, they won't be successful. Mm-hmm. So what I, I provide them is with a map, a road map, of how to mm-hmm. look at that look at that thinking or belief. Look at what happens when you think that, how to challenge it and dispute it, and then reformulate it. And once you've reformulated it, you're now thinking differently, and the end result of that changed thinking is changed behavior. Um, if I can, I'd like to give you know, one example. Sure. Um, we have about a minute left on our program. Um, you could either do that or you could let our listeners know where they can purchase your book, Fat Control, The Net Equation. That'll be fine. Uh, in the book, I do provide examples of what I've just mentioned. If an individual would like to obtain this information I've discussed today, they can purchase it uh, through Amazon, um, Barnes & Noble. They can also Google it on the, on the net. And most all e-book uh, sellers uh, have uh, this book uh, in stock. Oh, great. So it's an e-book as well. Uh, yes. Do you have a website that our listeners could uh, visit? Unfortunately, at this time, I do not. I'm in the process okay. of uh, developing one uh, and hope to have one soon. Great. Thank you, Vincent so much for imparting all this information on on us today. I know I've learned a great deal, and I'm sure that um, our listeners have as well. Well, I want to thank you, Denise, uh, for having me on, and I, and I hope that what I present today would help your listeners today and uh, days forward, going forward. All right, wonderful. Thank you so much. Thank all right, you. listeners, we're... We're going to be um, closing our show for today. I'm hopeful that you'll listen again in tomorrow, I mean next Wednesday, uh, for a great show. And um, be healthy and be well. We celebrate our listeners worldwide and invite you to contact Denise at www.healthmedianow.com with any questions you may have and follow her on Twitter at Health Media Now and Facebook at Health Media Now. For those interested in an advertising campaign on her show, contact Lisa at knowledgeworkspub.com. Be sure to visit gotcancernowwhat.com for information on Denise Messenger's award-winning book, Got Cancer? Now What? Listeners, just wanted to let you know the entire contents of this radio show are based upon the opinions of Denise Messenger and her guest. It is not intended to replace a one-on-one relationship with a qualified healthcare professional, and it's not intended as medical advice. It is intended as a sharing of knowledge and information from our guest 
and the experience of Denise and her community. We encourage you to make your own healthcare decisions based upon your research and in partnership with a qualified healthcare professional of your choice. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. Thank you. Bye-bye for now.